welcome to episode 45 of the Bike Pack Canada podcast with yours truly, Ryan Corey. Well, friends, it's a few days since uh, my eighth round of chemo, and uh, I, I apologize in advance um, if in this interview you, you notice that I stutter or I um or I click or have a lot of kind of just unnatural pauses. It's, um, you know, it's pretty stressful what these drugs do to your system. You know, obviously they're, they're toxic and... Um, they they mess with both my my body but also my mind. Um, but I think it's still going to be a pretty good interview. Uh, my chat today is with Kevin Prentice. He's the director of uh, partnerships and business development for Ride with GPS. I think uh, most of you will be familiar with um, the online software and the app. It's become the go-to standard for both our site and uh, Bikepacking.com for mapping new routes. Um, Quick shout out to Paul Gallipo from Ontario. He's the latest to send in uh, a route. He's also the first to send in our, our uh, an Ontario route. And uh, off in the mail today, uh, Sarah's just gone to the mailbox. Uh, he is going to be getting one of our exclusive route creator t-shirts as a, a small thank you. All right, on to our chat. Where in Oregon am I calling you? You are calling me in Portland, Oregon. Ah, Nice. Nice. So is is that uh, uh, the the team that works uh, with Ride with GPS? Are, are you guys? Do you have an office, or do you work from home? Uh, no, we have an office. Uh, we now have sixteen people that work here. Um, I'm currently I'm currently at home today. Uh, just kind of, you know. Sometimes it's nice to have some peace and quiet and some internet service. And if I'm talking on the phone, it's just nice to have kind of a ramshackle, mostly finished attic space um, on our second floor. So I've just kind of cobbled together a desk with some internet, and that's where I'm at. Well, uh, let's start with uh, the basics. Uh, So the the company, as I understand it, started in 2007. Maybe uh, tell me a little bit about the, the founders and uh, what opportunity they saw at the time to, to start this kind of business. Yeah, so the founders are uh, Zach Ham and Colin King. Uh, Zach was down at the University of Oregon, a computer science program, and was kind of tasked with, you know, a web-based project that could, you know, at the end of it could be kind of a self-sustaining thing. Um, and his friend Colin that he went to high school with was up at Oregon State uh, in the computer science program there. And he kind of said, hey, Colin, you want to come work on this with me? And that's how it kind of started. Um, they kind of, you know, kind of saw a need for, you know, route creation and some kind of ride tracking uh, software. Uh, and it actually kind of, you know, it was, Oddly enough, our, our old logo was actually a bicycle helmet and motorcycle helmet. Um, they were both big, big cyclists and big motorcyclists, uh, such as kind of outback riding, dirt bike riding, stuff like that. Uh, so it was kind of, you know, not 100% aimed at cyclists, um, but shortly thereafter, they formed a pretty good uh, community of cyclists around uh, the Eugene area, the Corvallis area, and then the Oregon area. And, you know, it's kind of liable, like, oh, okay, there's a definite need and a desire for cycling-specific uh, cycling specific tools for the cycling community. So um, they continued building that up 
um, over the next few years. I think they had, you know, they had their own full-time position, but we're still working on this and all of their free time. Um, and then around 2009, um, it was kind of, you know, decision time and, uh, you know, okay, we need to commit to this full-time. We need to commit to it full-time. Um, you know, it's something that we could definitely see growing and becoming this really awesome thing. So they, they did that um, and did that for about the next four years. And then in 2013, uh, they brought on, uh, oddly enough, another Kevin, uh, Kevin Purdy, our mobile engineer. Um, and then a couple of weeks after I came on. Um, and so we were the first two hires uh, that they that they did. And then, you know, kind of the rest is history. So I am going searching my memory bank. So 2007, 2009, that area, I don't like Strava and, and Matt, my ride, like these, I don't believe they existed back then. You know, what was, what was the environment for, for these, this type of uh, software or, um, you know, the, the, this, this kind of tool, like, did it, did other options exist then? Or was this completely, completely novel? I think some other options, I I could be wrong, but I think Strava was just coming on the scene around 2007. Um, oddly enough, this came up just a week or two ago, and Colin's uh, Strava ID was 1,100 or 1,200 or something. He was one of, like, the first 1,500 people uh, to create an account on there. So it was probably back around that time that they were coming on the scene um, and Matt, my ride would have, uh, they likely would have been, been, been operating that time too. Um, they, uh, you know, they kind of took a different approach to it, which our approach is still different, uh, to this day where it's less on the performance side and more on the, you know, route creation, route discovery, you know, experiential aspect of cycling. So it's it's now been well roughly I guess eleven years since uh, the the idea started uh, working its way out of you know the creators' minds. Well, what since you've been involved you've been involved you know almost since the beginning. What what would you say are some of the biggest lessons you guys have uh, learned over the years as far as you know maybe the technology or or what users want or, or really anything. Ooh. Um... Good question. Um, we well, for starters, we have the the fortunate position of um, you know we don't we don't have any you know venture money or investor money or anything like that, which uh, gives us the freedom to take what we want to do or what we feel we should do, and then blend that with the ideas of our community. Um, you know, those are the only two kind of entities that we have to uh, listen to or pay attention to. So it's it's been really great, and that's you know really been the driving force behind building the great community that we that we have right now. Um, in terms of lessons, um, I mean, you know, I guess getting back, listening to our community, and then um, you know, continuing to listen to our community. And, you know, oftentimes we sit in a room and we come up with all these ideas and we think, you know, and on the onset, it's like, oh, we know best and this is going to be cool and everyone's going to love this. But over the course of time, we've, you know, learned to kind of pump the brakes a little bit and, you know, realize that, well, yeah, 
much to our chagrin, maybe we don't always know what's best for everyone. Um, so, um, yeah, so just, you know, listening, uh, if anybody has interacted with our support department or emailed one of us, um, I think they can attest to our, um, you know, our desire for feedback, our desire to have open dialogue uh, with anyone that has any interaction with our tools. Um, you know, we don't, we make, we make software and we ride bikes, um, but we admit, you know, we don't, you know, we aren't the presidents of cycling clubs or we don't own a big tour operator company or we don't, you know, work at a, a destination marketing organization, but we have to make the best tools um, for those types of organizations and then the, the individual riders. So the only way that we can successfully do that is by listening to everyone. Cool. Well, I, I realize as we're talking here, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of our listeners are going to be familiar with Ride with GPS because, um, well, our site and I know bikepacking.com use it as the standard for uh, new route creation. Um, but for those that have never never used the site, maybe can you, you explain what it is? Yeah, so um, we have a website. That's how the company started, uh, which is primarily geared towards route creation and route discovery. Uh, so we have a, you know, we have a fine page where you can search routes and in your area or specific area. Um, and we also have an ambassador directory where we have curated routes, um, that are, you know, kind of sort of the best of the best in an area. Um, and then we have a route planner where you can create, uh, excuse me, uh, create, you know, any routes anywhere, as many as you want. Uh, there's lots of customization tools in the route planner. Um, we utilize a bunch of different map sets in the planner. Um, two of those are Google-based. So it's our, there's a little drop-down button in the top right of the planner. And uh, two of them say map and satellite. And those are Google-based tiles and Google-based routing. Um, and then we have three different OSM options and then our own RWGPS map tiles. Um, and those are our tiles that we host, and then we integrate with uh, OpenStreetMap routing in addition to uh, the three OSM maps that also have OSM routing. Um, so we utilize those maps, and then we sprinkle in a bunch of uh, features around that for adding in points of interest. So, you know, things like camping spots or businesses, the ability to add in custom queues, so you can add in little, you know, reminders or important pieces of information, and those cues get integrated into the cue sheet. They will come up, uh, if you're using a Garmin unit, they'll come up just like a normal turn. Uh, and then in our mobile app, uh, you know, those will get read aloud with our voice navigation, just like a normal, uh, a normal turn or cue would. Um, and I guess that would be a good segue into our mobile apps. We have an iPhone and Android app. Um, that, uh, you know, syncs with your account on the website. You create a route, you save a route, it's automatically there. Uh, you can, you know, everybody can record route, record rides. Um, and then we also offer voice navigation and then offline maps. So, um, you know, the, I guess I would imagine the offline maps will come up at some point in this conversation. Um, but the ability to, you know, Download map tiles, download a route, download voice navigation, and then not have to uh, have a cell reception 
to, to, you don't have to rely on that to get to get the full navigation experience. Yeah, and the you know for for our users who are predominantly riding in the backcountry, so if you don't have cell service. Um, you know, you pull up, uh, say, your Google Map uh, app, you, you'll see a little blinking dot as far as where you are. But if you don't have cell reception uh, and the map's already downloaded, it's just going to be a little blinking dot on uh, a background of nothing. So what you're what you're essentially saying is that you give the user the ability to download the map tiles um, so that it, it gives reference for for showing exactly where that blinking dot is at, at any, any given time, which is is critical for the kind of riding that we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess an example would be I'm in our route planner, and I create a big 400-kilometer loop around Jasper, or I find a really cool 400-kilometer route around Jasper from another user. Um, on my phone, I would you know, go through the process, click download, um, and then the app would download all of that information, um, which cuts us out as middlemen. You know, that the app doesn't have to interact with our servers. All that information is on your phone. So you then go out, launch the offline map. Um, what we do is we download, let's say it's a loop, uh, loop route, for instance. What we'll do is we will download all the tiles inside that loop, and then we'll download um, a big buffered area of map tiles around that around the outside of that loop as well. We'll download the route line, and then we also download all the voice navigation as well. So you launch navigation, you have your breadcrumb trail to follow, uh, you have your position that's being tracked on the phone, um, and then we are also able to offer uh, the voice navigation as well in real time. Um, and all of this happens, you know, with your phone in airplane mode. And the the ability to do that, I believe that that option is included in more of the the, the paid uh, accounts. Is that right? Yeah, either our basic or both our uh, paid accounts, basic or premium, contain uh, the yeah the voice navigation and the offline maps. Okay, and and. I haven't noticed any advertising. I haven't been on the site in a little bit here, but uh, I'm assuming that's that's where the funds to support the business are coming from. Is is the is the account feature? Yep, we are 100% uh, membership revenue generated. So um, yeah, we've done. It's pretty. I know. I guess internally, we feel pretty fortunate to have been able to create and maintain and grow this thing, which we do, um, you know, ex- you know, solely by the generosity of our users. Um, and then that gets back to the kind of the thing we touched on earlier, of, you know, that's, it makes it so much easier for us to just, you know, listen to our, you know, the users are the ones that are supporting us. So we in turn listen and try to support everything that, you know, all the feedback that they give us. Nice. And I'm assuming, you know, when, when someone sets up a new account, you know, you must have a pretty good read on where your sort of key demographics are as far as age and location and the, the, the type of activity. Are, are you able to sort of give me a general sense of uh, or give us a general sense of like who, who's really taken advantage of, uh, of your site? So we are slightly over 50 percent international. Um, which kind of a lot of people, we still get people that, well, we get people here in Portland, Oregon, where we're located that don't know we're in Portland, Oregon. Um, 
And then we get people here in Oregon that ask us, like, are you guys available outside of Oregon or outside of America? Um, and we're like, yes, yes, yes. You know, anywhere there are, I guess just anywhere there's Google Maps, um, you know, anything's possible. So, um, yeah, so international, uh, we are, I would say, pretty decently sized uh, up in Canada. Uh, we also have a large U.K. presence as well. Um, the, some of that helps from having the split of, you know, Google Maps, which uh, is still really big here in America and North America, um, which has a lot to do with our route planner where we still offer the satellite mode and then we still offer the street view option uh, in our route planner as well. And then once you get outside of North America, open street maps uh, is kind of the big player. So um, they all are privy and appreciative of all the different OSM options uh, that we offer. Uh, in terms of, I guess, more specific demographics, I mean, we tend to have, I would say, a slightly older demographic. Um, and I don't really, I dare not define what older means, but um, yeah, and kind of, you know, is that kind of shifts, we start to see a kind of a younger crowd getting going. Um, and both of those, you know, both of those crowds kind of have, you know, different expectations and different desires and what they want out of the, out of their cycling. Hmm. So the, and I apologize, my questions are kind of all over the place. Um, I was just I wrote them down as quickly as I could uh, think about them this morning, but I was thinking, so your, your site, and I guess that the app to a large extent, it it's depending on you using your, your, your smartphone to integrate everything. Is there any reason you would need or want, I guess, a more dedicated GPS device in, in any of the, the process here? You know, I, I would say really the only thing is, would be the duration of your trip. Um, I don't use a Garmin unit. I use my smartphone and I carry a small battery charger, um, which will get me a pretty, pretty large handful of days. Um, you know, we have other people that, uh, are still very, you know, very much used to an e-trex type Garmin device, one that operates off batteries and not a charge. So um, I guess really it kind of depends on, you know, yeah, I guess the, the, the number of days of your trip. Um, we like the smartphone because, one, you know, everybody's like, oh, what about battery life? What about battery life? Battery life is, I mean, it's come, you know, it's exponentially better than it was a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. Um, it's also less of a barrier to get into, you know, taking an overnighter or going out for a two night or three night uh, long weekend trip, you know, most people kind of already have uh, a cell phone or a smartphone. Um, so they don't need to go out and spend, you know, hundreds of dollars on a new GPS device. Uh, and then finally it's the familiarity with the phone. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's more comfortable in my hands. You know, I was used to a Google maps type interface before I got into cycling and started doing these things. Um, so, you know, it's not trying to, you know, focus on this 
smaller screen that may be a touch screen, but maybe there's just a couple buttons around it that has, you know, a different, uh, a different, you know, map style than I'm used to seeing, uh, you know, on the smartphone. I'm used to seeing that. I already know kind of the setup and the interface, so it's just a lot. It's a lot easier and, and comfortable. Yeah, if you take the if you take the battery variable out of the equation, um, and there's pros and cons to 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 both. Like, you know, having an Etrex unit and being able to get AA batteries wherever is 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 a huge plus. But I think if you compare the two different technologies, I think the the Etrex device is is very limited. It's you're not going to see major upgrades to the functionality because it's kind of all hardwired in. Whereas I imagine, you know, with, with the smartphone is that you could create new features and buttons really whenever you, you want to, like it's going to, the technology is going to adapt and evolve much quicker on the the smartphone front. I would imagine. Does that sound right? No, that's, you are 100% correct. Um, And that's, yeah, another big piece that we touch on is if something's broken, we fix it. And, that fix, you know, happens almost immediately. You know, uh, with the Android app and Google Play, we can, you know, we can get an issue, fix the problem, and when we're ready to submit, we can submit and have the app updated almost instantaneously. Uh, with Apple and iTunes Store, we can do the same internal process and submit, and then Apple takes a little bit, a day or two or three, uh, to kind of go through the review and then approve the app. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, that's the feedback. Those are the issues. Those are the requests. You know, that's all the stuff we're getting from our users and that's, you know, filtering into our development cycle. Um, we kind of recently got on a really nice schedule where we are tackling, you know, any bug fixes about every two weeks and then every five to six weeks, uh, releasing a, a kind of a feature enhancement version of the app. Uh, so actually just two days ago, we did a complete, uh, UI update in the app. So it's very, it's very fresh and it's very new. Um, and we've been working on it for a long time and we're, we're super excited about it. Oh, cool. Something that the, the average user probably wouldn't think about, um, unless they have uh, experience with, with coding and building apps is, um, you know, I recently learned, and I'm assuming this is the case with your app too, is that every time there's a phone, um, update, um, is you also have to update your, your, your app to, to, to integrate. Is that, is that the case? Um, it wouldn't be, no, I mean, you don't have to update the app or we don't have to release a new version of the app, but what is definitely not uncommon is that a new version of say iOS, um, they will do things that they think are really good, which actually can have, you know, a detrimental effect on app developers. Um, and a lot of these things re- revolve around constantly trying to improve the battery process. So any apps that use uh, GPS, um, you know, those things are kind of, those things tend to be the ones that they focus on. So, you know, for instance, if your phone drops below 20% battery, you're going to get that notice on your phone. Hey, you're down to 20% battery. Well, you know, when a new version of an OS comes out, 
you know, they may have introduced some new feature where if your phone goes low that 20%, they're going to start throttling any apps that run GPS. And that might affect, you know, somebody who's currently recording their ride or looking to get navigation or anything like that. So, um, yeah, every time there's any type of new thing, we have to thoroughly analyze it and see how it affects us. I was just thinking this morning, is there any particular reason why you guys decided to focus on on the ride aspect? So I guess both with, with the motorbike and with bicycling, like is there an advantage to having a niche or, or at some point do you think you'll expand kind of like how Strava's doing it is with activity in general? Um, you know, I, I don't want to say never, you know, I never say never, but I can pretty much say no. We, well, I mean, we currently have zero plans to do that. Um, you know, I don't want to speak ill of anyone, but we have, grown a really good product and community being solely focused on cycling. And we see absolutely no reason to change that. We're excited about cycling. We are all, we, you know, we are all cyclists and we all love working on cycling products. Um, And we would, you know, we aren't doing, we aren't interested in doing anything that would, you know, jeopardize our cycling community. If I go out and, you know, if we start spending 50% of our time on, sailboating or whatever, um, you know, some sailboat people might really like that, but, you know, right now our community is, you know, virtually 100% cyclists and they would not appreciate us spending half our time on something else. Yeah. Makes sense. One of the, one of the big red flags that, um, comes up with, with social media is once I post something online, you know, whether it's a, a video or a picture or just really any written content, um, and I think this was a big issue with Facebook for a while is once I post that, who owns, who owns that content? It's, you know, one of those things that's, it's in the, the fine print. And, uh, yeah, I got to wondering when, when users upload a, a new route, do they have a hundred percent ownership of it or are they sharing it with Rider GPS? I mean, they're sharing it with Ride with GPS. Um, technically anything that's uploaded to our site we quote unquote own, um, but we don't, you know, we don't, I suppose, focus on that or that isn't, uh, an area of, you know, concern, I suppose for us, you know, every, we don't share anything with anybody else. Um, we may occasionally share a route on social media, but we would do so first asking, you know, like we share ambassador routes on social media, but we obviously contact the ambassador, um, you know, first to, you know, to ask them, Hey, is this okay? Uh, you know, we don't, we don't monetize anybody's data. We don't share that data. That's not part of our business model. And it's not something that, that we're interested in doing. So, you know, anybody's stuff is theirs. We don't hold any data hostage. If you want, we have an option where you can back up all of your ride data from your entire history of your account on Rider GPS. So if you want to take all that and go somewhere else, any single, any person can do that. You know, we have no issue with that. If it's your data, do what you want with it. Okay. Um, so I, I you know, I, I just, I'm new to the site probably within the last, um, two years and I've seen a few new changes. It, it looks like the ride reports is something that's, uh, something that you guys are starting to promote more. Are there, are there any other features like that coming down the pipeline in 2018 that users can look forward to? Uh, 
Uh, yeah, Ride Reports is a big, uh, was a big one. We launched that uh, beginning of 2017. Um, oh, and actually a Canadian won our Ride Report contest, Jenna Matt. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's super rad, uh, has super, super, super rad Ride Reports. Uh, we partnered with some great businesses uh, here in Portland, Sugar Wheel Works, Portland Design Works, and then Breadwinner Bicycles. Um, and Jenna took herself home a custom B-Road uh, Breadwinner Bicycle, which we were all very jealous of. Um, so, yeah, the Ride Reports feature has been great, and we've been getting lots and lots and lots of uh, good reports submitted. We've been seeing lots of activity, lots of people liking reports, lots of people commenting on reports. Um, and lots of people getting, you know, great inspiration and finding, uh, you know, new, you know, new, new places to discover and getting that personal aspect. Um, you know, I can see a route and think, oh, that's cool, but is it cool in the wintertime or is it cool in the summertime? Is it not cool in the summertime or not cool in the wintertime? Um, so the Red Reports, you know, can kind of put that personal aspect into it from the author. I was going to ask the the winning, the winning report. What was what was the route that she focused on? She hers was she had two reports. This one, I believe, her and her partner went over to Europe and. Uh, went cycling around I'm actually sitting in front of a roll contest winners I'm actually sitting in front of to the mountains uh, Catalonia uh, is where the winning ride report came from okay um, okay sorry so sorry I interrupted you you were talking about um, new features coming down the line and um, I, w- I wasn't sure if you're done on the ride report end but uh, yeah please continue uh, yeah we've got a lot of uh, mobile things um, coming down the pipeline that we're either currently working on or exploring um, we've got a really cool feature coming up um, where riders will be able to uh, annotate their rides during the ride, um, which will also integrate uh, our POI icons as well. So if anyone's familiar with planning a route, uh, you plan a route and then you can drop a POI icon, uh, you know, for a water stop or for a camping spot or for a brewery or for whatever. Um, or just even, you know, a control, you know, a control icon or an informational icon. Um, historically, POIs are only possible on routes, uh, but now we're going to integrate them in rides. So someone can go out and really do a, like, full, full reconnaissance ride um, where they can go out and they can annotate, you know, annotate every aspect to it and don't have to re- come back and recreate that into a route. Or someone can go out, you know, even on any ride and kind of drop little bits of notes um, for that ride. So they can have that as a reference when they, uh, you know, when they, when they upload it. And then if they want to do that ride again, or if they want to share that ride with friends, um, they'll have all the, all the pertinent information in there. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, So it'd be a little more exact and essentially having to guess where the point of interest was when, when you get back. 
Yeah, and currently right now, if you take a photo, and this will still be the case, um, if you're out recording and you take a photo, we will geotag that photo when your ride's saved to that exact location. Um, so, you know, we just match up the timestamp of the photo and the timestamp of that GPS coordinate um, where you were and match that up and then put, put a little black dot on your track line um, on the website so you can see where that photo is. So that will be the case with the point of interest, too. You'll stumble upon, you know, a secret oasis and be like, oh, I definitely want to remember this. So you can, you know, annotate, drop an icon there, and then it'll be pinpointed to that exact location after you save it. Okay, right. Nice. Um, and then we have some other things cooking for offline maps, uh, working towards the ability to not need a route in order to download offline maps, um, working towards the ability for people to kind of upload, you know, their own style of map or a map style that they have found and then give them the ability to overlay uh overlay their route on top of that map, and then the ability to download that for offline use. Um, this one's kind of a little bit out, but we've done some cool testing where we found some, found some map tiles online of, uh, I think it was like a 1912 geographic something map, um, and we were able to, you know, get it uploaded, get it parsed, get it into the mobile app, and get a route that we had planned um, in that area overlaid uh, on those map tiles. So when you open it in the app, uh, you would see, you know, this unique unique set of map tiles and then still get your breadcrumb trail and then still get your voice navigation. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we're kind of pretty stoked on that. Um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of good mobile stuff coming. Um, we're, we're, we're pretty excited. We're able to uh, expand the team beginning of this year and uh, bring on some really talented developers um, so this, we're going to, we'll be able to tackle a lot of big projects this year. Nice. Uh, going back to the, the, the tile feature. Um, so I, I'm curious with, I guess with the, the tile, so, you know, going to, back to the drop down menu, selecting the, the type of map you want, um, as, as, as the foundation for what you see when your little breadcrumb trail is moving around the, the, the map options or the, the tile options, are those, um, I guess the ones that you currently offer, are they kind of like an open source, um, like any, anyone in the world can, can use them or is that something like you've, you've licensed? I guess I, I'm curious, are, are there a lot more tile options out there in the world that exist that, you know, you don't see on the site, but you'd have to maybe pay for to, to license them or get a hold of? Uh, yeah, I'm sure there are. Yeah, probably plenty. Um, we certainly pay Google um, a fair amount of money to use their, you know, standard map and their satellite map. Uh, we certainly pay OpenStreetMaps to have access to their routing and have access to uh, their map tile set as well. Um, you know, we've talked about maybe finding some that could provide, you know, different information than all the ones that we currently offer. Um, but we kind of just get back to, um, you know, what we have is really good. You know, OpenStreetMaps is really good. They're really on top of everything. It's kind of user, user sourced, I suppose you could say, um, to where people can go out and record 
you know, record an activity on something and then submit it to OpenStreetMaps. And then other people can record on that same activity and submit it to OpenStreetMaps. And then once it's verified, then it will, uh, you know, make it, the update will make it onto their map tiles. And then after that happens, that will trickle onto our site for the OSM map tiles. Um, and then they update their routing, and then that routing updates on RN shortly after as well. Um, and then the same thing, the same thing happens with Google. Um, they're constantly 24/7 all over their, all over their stuff, um, and all that stuff just automatically uh, updates into our into our planner. So um, what we have is for, is is really good and really working well for us. Um, we have some uh, some good plans to enhance our RW GPS map tiles uh, this year. We're looking at some more topographical information, uh, seeing if we can get, you know, paved versus unpaved road uh, differentiation in there, uh, possibly some relief shading uh, options as well. So we've got a lot of, a lot of cool things that, uh, that to explore. And, you know, if we can find, you know, the, the big thing is finding a whole set of data that covers, you know, the world. I guess, for lack of a better term, um, you know, we wouldn't do we wouldn't do something that's only available in Oregon or only available in a certain, you know, place. We would need to find it to where it was available for everyone. Okay. Yeah, I, I think when I, I posed that original question, I don't really know what I was trying to ask, but uh, I definitely. <laughs> I, I, I was curious to understand, yeah, how how do those underlays come together, and who owns them, and do you have to license them? So, yeah, no, thank you. I, it's uh, some good information there. Um, all right, well, moving on to some of our, our listener questions, um, and the the two questions we did get actually are from people that I know have posted uh, ride reports with you. Um, Guy Stewart, yeah, yeah, Guy, and I believe brian kennelly might have but i know he definitely uses a site but uh, guy stewart was asking um what are some tips for maximizing mobile device battery life when using ride gps for navigating and tracking so i'm assuming this is beyond just like closing down other apps that you might have open i, I don't know if there's anything else you can do with with your software yeah i mean yeah some good general tips and then some, maybe a couple specific tips for us. Um, yeah, I would, well, number one, turn off Wi-Fi. That's, you know, aside from having your screen on, Wi-Fi is a big one. Your phone will constantly be searching and trying to ping towers for a, a connection or for Wi-Fi. Um, so turn Wi-Fi off, uh, you know, download the route for offline use. That way you don't have to, that way you just throw your phone into airplane mode and you will get you know, you just, your battery life is just so, so, so incredible with your phone in airplane mode. Um, so turn off Wi-Fi, uh, download the route for offline use, toss your phone into airplane mode. That doesn't mean you can't get out of airplane mode if you want to make a call, if you want to see if you got a text message, if you want to post to social media, you know, toggle airplane mode off, make your post, toggle it back on. It's not going to make any difference to the app. You've already downloaded it for offline use. You have the full experience, whether you have connection or not. We don't know the difference. We just give you everything. Um, from there, it's kind of minimizing screen time. Um, 
you know, that's a big piece of where the voice navigation comes in, of, you know, not having to constantly, uh, you know, check your phone screen, see where the next turn's coming up, um, see how far it is to the next turn. So we offer a few different, uh, a few different kind of navigation prompts. Um, we offer, you know, a notification as you're approaching a turn. Um, so as you get to a turn, we'll give you a chime, and then we'll say turn left on First Street. Shortly after that turn, uh, we offer a FAR notification. So if your next turn isn't for another, let's say, 10 miles, you know, you'll get the notification for the turn, you'll make that turn, and then we'll give you another notification that says in 10 miles, turn left. Um, so that is a very reassuring thing of, you know, okay, I, I don't have to worry. I'm going to be on this road for 10 miles. I don't need to. I can put my head up. I don't have to worry about where my next turn is. I got nothing to do except enjoy the ride for 10 miles. Um, and then as you get a quarter mile from that turn, we'll give you a notification for a quarter mile. And then as you get to the turn, we'll prompt you for the turn. So, you know, a very nice cycle to let you know what's going on. Um, we also have, you can toggle the metrics in our ride screen. Um, so when you record a ride, when you launch navigation, uh, down at the bottom uh, of your screen, that tray, we have five metrics there. You can slide that to the left, and we'll give you another five metrics. If you uh, long press one of those metrics, we'll uh, expand the list of, I think, like 25 other metrics that you can choose from. Um, so you can kind of tailor it to your specific needs. One of those is a distance to next queue, um, which is also kind of paired nicely with the with the the far verbal notification. So you know we'll give you a countdown with that distance to next queue metric uh, as you get to your turn, and then after you complete that turn, we will reset that to the next queue. So you'll get a notification verbally in ten miles. Uh, you know turn left. And then the distance next queue in the app will say 10 miles, and then it will count down, you know, 9.9, 9.8, 9.7, et cetera, as you get closer to that next turn. So another way to, you know, get that verbal queue, and then at any point look at that distance to next queue. So if you've been riding for a while, and you're like, oh, man, did I miss that turn? Uh, you know, look at that distance next queue, and maybe it says five miles. And you're like, okay, great, I can turn my phone screen off for another five miles because I know I don't have anything to do for that distance. Okay. And the, the mobile app, how much does that cost? Uh, that's, well, it's free to download. Uh, free to download, free to record rides, free to take photos, free to check out and look at all your stats, search rides, stuff like that. Um, all of, everything we offer in our mobile app is part of uh I guess all of our paid features in the mobile app are part of both our basic and premium uh, memberships. So, um, you know, if you were to purchase a basic yearly membership, you'll get a bunch of cool stuff on the website. And then that also gets you everything that we offer in the mobile app as well. Okay. So the, the, they're synced up then. Yeah, 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 absolutely. For sure. Okay. Um, so we've got another two questions and they come from Brian Kennelly um, out in BC the wording on this first question, I'm not sure of, and we may have already answered it, but um, let me know if, if, if you get it. 
He said, um, <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. He said, I know Rider GPS is interested in developing the ability uh, to plan uh, and or alter routes on mobile devices. How is this progressing? Yeah, so it is progressing. Um, we're currently exploring uh, A to B routing from inside the mobile app, um, you know, where you could pick a location, you know, pick a start location and pick a finish location and have a route automatically generated for you that would contain the queues um, and give you the turn-by-turn instructions uh, to go ride it. Uh, a little farther out is, you know, a more robust route planner or the ability to, to edit routes. Um, you know, in the route planner right now, you just click along the path that you want to take and, you know, have a very customized specific route. Uh, that works great on a giant lightning monitor or big PC or laptop screen, but when you get down to, you know, a tiny phone screen, that becomes an extraordinarily difficult thing to accomplish um, and still make it a good experience. Um, you know, we could easily just cobble together some hokey route editing interface um, that would give people the ability to, to edit, you know, do some simple edits to a route. But if it's frustrating or doesn't really, you know, enable you to accomplish what you want to accomplish, then, you know, that wouldn't be a good experience and that's not what we're interested in doing. So, um, it is definitely being actively researched, and we are having lots of conversations, and uh, we're, we're excited to get it to a point uh, where, it's, where it's ready for our members. Okay, so it is progressing, Brian. Um, <laughs> next question is, uh, will Ride with GPS be syncing with the new Hammerhead uh, Karoo um, device? So I guess going back to our original chat about um you have the dedicated gps devices that are you know once you buy it it's kind of set you know it's set buttons set software um and then the, the advantage of the smartphones is that it's kind of always adapting but as i understand it and brian got me onto this is that the this hammerhead device it's kind of the best of both worlds um, are you familiar with it uh yeah i'm, I'm familiar with it i've been following it um you can certainly plan currently plan routes in our site and export GPX files of those and get them into uh, get them onto a Karoo. Uh, there is not the ability to wirelessly sync, which is maybe what Brian's talking about. Um, you know that that direction would come from Hammerhead themselves. Um, you know if they wanted to do that type of integration. Um, if I had to speculate, I would say, you know, those types of decisions will come here in the nearest, nearest future, maybe. I don't really know. You know, their first units just started getting into the first people's hands, you know, a week or so, or, you know, a couple of weeks ago. So, um, you know, I imagine just like all of us, when we release a big new thing, you know, we, we've got a lot of, you know, details and little things to iron out. Um, you know, for a while to get the thing, you know, up and running, you know, on its own, uh, where we don't have to put out fires, we can start, you know, building a lot of other cool stuff. So, um, yeah, so I can't really say on that, but we love, you know, we work very well with, you know, lots of different, you know, hardware 
uh, hardware makers. I mean, the site started, you know, pretty much solely focused to Garmin units, which we still are very compatible with. Uh, we have a great relationship with Wahoo, um, where your account can sync up with a Wahoo Element or Wahoo Bolt um, through their companion app. So you have to create routes, sync it up with the Wahoo companion app, and those wirelessly sync to people's uh, elements or bolts. I, I know I previously reached out. I can't remember if I chatted with you, but one of the features I was interested in trying to implement is having... It would be great if, if we could embed a map on our site that had all the maps, um, almost like a, a preview feature. Um, so, you know, I could I could take Guy's maps, I could take uh, Brian's maps and, you know, have the individual route pages that you could go to and see their embedded view and their summaries. But at the top of our page have one just um, global map that has all the routes on there. So people can see mm-hmm. the, see the regions um, that all the, all these things take place um, and not have to scroll through a bunch of summaries, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, as yeah. I, as I understood it, that necessarily didn't exist as far as an embed, but I think if, if I wanted to have that on the Rider GPS site, I could have people, li- you know, link to your site where we did create an embed. Is is it, am I right on that? Uh, you're right on that, but uh, we actually just created exactly uh, what you are looking for. Um, we've long worked with uh, tourism departments and destination marketing organizations um, to kind of help them showcase their area. And uh, just this past November, uh, we, we attend the National Bike Tourism Conference every year. And just at this last one, we announced a new tourism-specific account, uh, giving you the ability to do exactly what you want to do, which is embed multiple routes into a single map. Um, so we have a kind of – it's a new – you know, it uses our existing organization account, account structure, giving you a – route library to manage all your routes. And then we added a new page that is a POI library. So um, you now get your kind of own table slash database to manage all of, you know, the local businesses for a route or the local businesses for, you know, a specific area. And then using, um, using a tagging structure, we were able to generate um, multi-route content-rich maps for your website. So, Let's say you wanted, you had a page dedicated to Alberta. Um, you could embed one of these tourism maps that had every route uh, from your route library tagged Alberta. We would embed all of those into that route on your website. And then visitors would open the page, see this. They could zoom in and, uh, zoom in and around the map. They could click on each one of the routes. We'll give them a little pop-up box. Uh, you can have a photo. You can have more information. And then there's a customizable link that says, you know, view route. And when they click that, then you could direct them somewhere else on your site that you wanted to. So if I wanted the 400 kilometer tour about tour of Alberta route or whatever, um, you know, I would see that on your tourism map. I would click a link and then you could send me to the, you know, tour of Alberta page, or you could scroll me down to an anchored spot on that same page to a single route embed, uh, to where I could get the more, you know, granular detail. And then uh, we actually are launching a new send-a-device interface from our single route embeds uh, to where somebody could actually 
you know, bookmark that route directly from your site onto their Rider GPS account. Um, so kind of went off on a tangent there, but I can actually send you information after this uh, about this. It's, it's, it's really exciting. It's, it's really becoming a cool thing. Yeah, please do. I, I think I may have looked at it before. I'm, I'm just trying to rem- remember here that this tourism account, it was a little more costly. Like, we're talking like four or $500 a year. Is that the one I'm thinking of? Yeah, okay. So you have seen that. Correct. Um, it's a little bit, yeah, it's a little bit more um, with the intent of, you know, you're really you're kind of getting back to where you kind of one of the issues that you brought up originally, the main goal of this is to eliminate the need for people to come back to our site. Um, so you get to embed a very large geographical map that has lots of information where people can do some general research and then you sift them to a single route embed with, you know, the finite details of a specific route. And then with the new send a device information, I can click that and then I could download to Garmin straight from there. I could get it onto my Wahoo device, or I could pin it to my Ride with GPS account, which would then be available under pinned for uh, on on the iPhone and the Android app. Um, and then tourism accounts also have the ability to unlock navigation for all of the routes. So anybody that finds that finds one of your routes could then uh, pin that to their account, and then they would have the ability to download that that route for offline use in the mobile app without actually needing a paid account with us. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think at the time, I think the question I had to ask myself was whether I thought the, the, the map embed was worth four or $500. And I do know that there's quite a bit more to it, but that's kind of primarily how we would use it. And, um, I, I do think it is worth it because that's a big reason why people come to our site, but, um, I, I think before I commit to it, I want to see our community start submitting more routes because right now we have, well, I, there's, there's less than 10 right now. So to really, uh-huh. t- to really take advantage of that, that, that membership, I, I'd love to see more routes come in. Um, and especially for more regions than just, you know, Alberta, BC, but, uh, it, it will be something that, uh, we invest in, but, uh, you know, as, as I've done many times, you know, for those listening, I I throw it back out to you guys to, to really make it worth it. The investment worth it is, um, to keep sending in those routes. And, uh, uh, then the next step will be, we'll have that embed, uh, that makes it just that much easier for, for new people, the site to, to source out what rides make the most sense for, for the regions they want to visit. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I appreciate that, Kevin. So last question for you. Um, so, yeah. so coming from Portland, what, what's your favorite long distance ride in, in the region? Ooh, um, interesting. Um, there are a couple on my bucket list this year that I actually haven't done, but I want to do, um, I would like to do the Oregon Outback. Um, are you familiar with that at all? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's a route that traverses from the southern uh, southern tip of Oregon to the Columbia River, which is our northern border here in the state, uh, which was that was developed by Donnie Cole, Bellow Dirt, Lore. Um, I would like to uh, go into Washington to do the John Wayne Trail. Have you seen that one? Uh, I have not, no. 
Okay. Um, it's a primarily rails to trails gravel route um, that isn't, it isn't anything particularly epic, uh, but it's very, it's very accessible and very doable. Um, and with a 15 month old daughter at home, that's kind of uh, what my wheelhouse has become <laughs> as of late. So um, those two things. And then a good friend of ours, Gabriel Amadeus, uh, worked with our state tourism department, uh, Travel Oregon, and they recently uh, announced and released the Oregon Timber Trail. Have you seen that? Uh, that yeah, that uh, actually does sound familiar. I think I heard about it at um, – we had a bike conference up in Canmore, uh, I think it was like two years ago now, and I think there were some representatives that came up from Oregon to talk about that. Yeah, so that's a – you know, their goal is to, it's, you know, kind of a somewhat similar line to the Oregon Outback. It's a north, or excuse me, a south to north uh, route from border to border. But this one is aimed at getting it, um, you know, as close to 100% single track as possible. Um, and, you know, developing this whole, you know, developing this whole thing and then, you know, getting the communities along the trail involved and then developing, you know, specific, you know, two-day itineraries, three-day itineraries, seven-day itineraries um, around this kind of iconic route. Because it would be, it'd be a pretty tall order for somebody to come and spend, you know, 15 to 20 days to do the whole thing. But, um, you know, it becomes much more doable when you can just get away for a long three- to four-day weekend and really, really get some pristine single track in. Nice. Well, I, I probably the most epic ride I've done out your way is. Uh, yeah, I'm curious to know if you've heard of it. Is called the Race Across Oregon. Has, has that come across your radar oh, yeah. at all? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We see that kind of brought up uh, here and there. There's a new one uh, called the Steam Mizama. Have you heard of that one? No. Okay, I keep I keep repeating myself. Have you heard of that one? Yeah, there's one that leaves out of Portland and goes down to the southeastern corner of uh of the state uh to where you summit uh this uh some of the steens mountains uh and then you come back and you head up over mazama and then back into portland and it's kind of a you know an endurance self-supported uh self-supported ride that only you know a handful of people do and only a smaller handful of people actually finish but it's it's pretty wild yeah the the race cross at oregon it's uh it was something like 500 miles. And I remember it started in Oregon. You went up to Mount Hood and then you did a huge loop out in uh, the eastern countryside. And uh, the it was killer because you end back at uh, Mount Hood, right? It's, um, oh, what's what's that hotel the that they use for The Shining that's oh, up there? Timber, Timberline. Yeah, Timberline Lodge. Timberline Lodge. So, yeah, you, you, you finished this 500 plus mile trek on this what seemed like an epic climb in the middle of the night just to get up to the that lodge but uh yeah there's there's some some great riding out your way and uh yeah that, i'll definitely be keeping an eye on that uh timberline right timberline row uh timber trail or timber, timber trail. trail timber trail okay yeah cool yeah that'll be that'll be a big that'll be a big thing here the next year or two for sure awesome 
Well, uh, Kevin, we, we covered a lot of ground and, uh, I, you know, I definitely learned a thing or two. And, and like I said, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll follow up. I don't know when it will be, but the, the tourism feature is, or the account is something I, I do want to set up. Um, and we'll make that a goal for, for this year as more routes, uh, come in, but, uh, yeah, thank you for your time, uh, this afternoon and we'll be, we'll be in touch. Yeah. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Um, and then to anybody listening, um, feel free to get in touch with us about anything that we chatted about here or just anything uh, with what we're doing in general. Uh, we love hearing from our members. Email is info at ridethegps.com. Uh, you know, drop us a line anytime. All right. Awesome. Have a great day, Kevin. All right. You too. Thanks, Ryan. Okay, bye now. All righty. See ya.